It is another week and it is another edition of the Share Shop Podcast, episode 497, coming to you here on this uh, chilly Sunday evening. Lads, how are we feeling uh, on this cold weekend? I'm your host, by the way, Barry, here, Paul and Joe, you know the score, you know the score, 497 episodes, you know the deal, you know, uh, yeah. How are you doing, boys? How are you doing? Good, good, good. Thanks for asking, Barry. Very good. You're very well, you're very welcome, you're very welcome. How about you, Paul? How are you doing also? Not too bad. Um, it's been it's been a, a quite enough week here on, on my end. Um, I've had some days off, lads. I'm on day three of a four day weekend. Uh, so it's funny until we mentioned it just before the show started here. I completely forgot Survivor Series was tonight. Uh, I can't say I'll be watching it, even though I've no work tomorrow. Uh, but you never know. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I've I've um I've had a, a lovely short week. I've been doing some cooking this week, lads. And let me tell wow. you, normally it's like a fifty fifty gamble whether or not um it's good or we have to order pizza after I'm done. Um, but I have to say, <laughs> I have to say now now qualifier ahead of this. You know, I was using a packet. I was not I was not making ingredients from scratch. But I made some phenomenal tacos this week, if I do say so myself. Um, uh, with just a big old, big old, massive portion of minced beef, some lovely sauces and some salads and some cheese, and I wasn't quite sure what to have on the side. Right, went a little bit out there. All right, bit of a culture clash, but we had loaded potato skins on the side. Ooh. Right, and let me tell you, that was a divine little feast. I was quite proud of that. Um, uh, so yeah, I've, that's that's predominantly what I've been doing with my week, except uh, for earlier in the week. Uh, last week, you'll recall, I, I, I talked about the, uh, um, the the hubbub of making sure I got the old Xbox delivered and the, the, the trauma of that. A few weeks ago, I talked about the, the the craziness of trying to get it, the websites going down and all these other sites breaking and just XYZ back in September, whatever it was. Uh, so Thursday, here in the glorious European region, the PAL region, uh, the PlayStation Five launched. Um, I don't think any of us got it, did we, Paul? You didn't get a PlayStation Five, did you? No, and I'm not going to get one until they release a, a smaller, less ugly edition. You're right, yeah. Which is generally what they do. I think all these console manufacturers—that's the done thing now—is three years in, you'll get a little, a, a, a little, an itty bitty one. Not even three years in. Three years in, last generation, they released the Pro. Oh yeah, I think it was only a, a year or something they they announced the, the slim the slim initially. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't pre order it either. First of all, I think it was kind of hard for for us uh, if we did want to pre order it because they did that late night stream where it was on like at an eleven hour time, and then afterwards they just said, "Hey, the, the link is up," and it was kind of mayhem. Uh, so that's why we didn't bother. So. Thursday rolls around, people are getting theirs shipped, but then of course the the ever uh, the ever crucial uh, announcement that some retailer said, "Okay, folks, we're getting some. We've got some overspill here. We've got a little bit left, so we'll have some stock for you uh, uh, on this morning, the morning that it's actually out." Uh, and so I think the first one was uh, Curry's. They were supposed to have stock at nine a.m. and I, I I wasn't too fussed. I said I I said I would check. I said I'd see how how it was going. 
Um, uh, and 9am on the dot, the Curry's website went down. Everyone was freaking out. There was a million tweets going on. I was like, oh, I don't know, how do I get this? People were going crazy. Uh, people who could get into the website were getting a queue message. People at the front of the queue were saying it's sold out. Uh, and then so Curry's had to say, oh, I know. Hang on. No, we don't. We, we'll get some later. I don't know what you're talking about. We'll get some later. Go away. Um, it was the old lad uh, looking at the PS4s, thought they were PS5s. Oh, which, which it's funny because I, you still get old consoles trending on Amazon because I think people are panic buying old stuff. But anyway, especially the confusingly named Xbox. Consoles. Absolutely, yeah, because there's because there's an S and X version of the old machine as well. But yeah, so Curry's like for all of these launches, like for massive corporations selling devices, also made by massive corporations, it's been a bit of a fucking dog and pony show so curry's it turns out what actually happened was um curry's it said 9 a.m uh people who got up early saw that they were just sitting there on the website at like seven o'clock in the morning bought them then some people were saying they got mail saying oh no they're not honoring those purchases other people were told they were and so it just seems like they had burned through their stock before 9 a.m and people were very upset uh, so all this is happening, and it was just hilarious. And the Irish websites, Harvey Norman's website went down at around 10 a.m., and I think they just did not bother putting it back up for the remainder of the day. Because um, uh, I went back on it at like 3 o'clock when, when most of the PS5s across the country were sold out, and the website was still down. I genuinely think they just said, fuck this, it's just not worth it. Um, so uh, websites were going down, and it was like some websites, like some of the Brit websites, uh, they had little like, uh, oh, this uh, two people have viewed this blender in the, in the last half hour, maybe you should buy it. And it was like 200,000 people are looking at this, you know, it was just fucking pandemonium so like uh, midday rolls around and i never thought i'd see the day that this happened but it, that midday was when amazon were getting their stock and fucking amazon went down when 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 they got their uh, their their um, designated time so i was looking at this and, and and i was like all right i i don't think i'm going to get one today but like who really cares i got the xbox i don't need to you know whatever so so Amazon went down and came back up. They had no stock. So they had a similar situation to Curry's where they just, they missed their window. They said they were going to have them up. They didn't have them up. So whatever. I had this link open on my phone and uh, it's currently unavailable, whatever. And um, one of these, uh, one of these sites I was following that was tweeting out info, but Hey, it's here or Hey, it's here or Hey, this person saying they're going to have it at such, such time. They said, Hey, you know, Amazon missed their 12, their 12 o'clock uh, time. But we've heard they are still going to have some at some point today. And I was like, right. So I refreshed it. Nothing. I refreshed it around half 12. Nothing. I was like, fair enough. One o'clock rolls around. That's when I take my break from work. So I um, I signed out from my um, uh, my work laptop, pulled out my phone, still had the link open, the, the PlayStation 5 Amazon link, as well, on 5 past 1, 10 past 1. And I just refreshed it just out of curiosity. And there was a PlayStation 5 in stock. And the website was working. And I got one. <laughs> um, I did not see that really coming. Because um, I uh, just sort of... Uh, I don't know if it was just watching the mayhem of the day. But the, sec the second I saw it there and gettable, I was like, well, I have to get one, don't I? Because this is the sign from God. Um <laughs> And I, I, I like yeah. once I once I got through checkout and everything, I ch I, I checked and it was like the um, I was I was following the uh, digital foundry deals page, which is a great page. I do recommend people follow that if you're UK based, especially. Um, and they they were doing great work all morning. And after I got it, I was like, 
I actually got it was by absolute the definition of luck. I happened to refresh it and they got stuck and I saw this before a lot of the big trackers had said, hey, they have it. And so I was able to just, by complete chance, get it across the finish line. Uh, and yeah, so now I've got now I've got both the the, the new thingies. Um, yeah, right. Not to have a go, Barry, but do you wipe your arse with hundreds? Um, well, I was going to say uh, I will be using uh, that Xbox I was all excited about last week in the bathroom, baby. I'll uh, I'll just uh, be wiping my hole with that HDMI two point one cord. <laughs> It's not comfortable, but it's how I like to live. Um, yeah, look, it was a bit of an indulgence. I also, um, in my panic of getting it across the finish line, charged it to the wrong card. Ooh, so I was very lucky it wasn't a rent day or anything like that because I, I did, I, I panic bought it basically, and and uh, <laughs> um, I had to, I had to like, uh, I had to call my man at the Cayman Islands. Or, oh crap! I shouldn't have bought that PS Five. Um, <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a bizarre day online that morning. Cause it was honestly, it was like jingle all the way digital version. I mean, it was just hundreds of thousands of people going from link to link to link to link, killing every website they went to. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, uh, I had to, because it was on Amazon UK, I got it sent to the, uh, uh, I have a, a post box for UK orders that chips. So I, I haven't got it yet, but, um, but yeah, so there you go. I'll be, uh, I'll be. I don't know what's what. Just what you play on the PS Five, Astro Bot, um, play play playroom. What's uh, sli- slightly shinier version of Ghost of Tsushima. I'll play that. Um, yeah, you'll be you'll be playing them, but also dressing in some kind of barrel uh, and eating leaves <laughs> for the next few months. Just hugging both my machines for warmth. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so pre-order Romania running wild in this house, uh, nonstop. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, that was the, uh, the peak of the excitement of the week for me. Uh, what about you lads? What have you been up to? You've been cooking anything or uh, buying anything you shouldn't? Uh, I haven't bought anything. I shouldn't, mm. um, have been cooking, have been cooking. It was, um, Michelle and, and on my uh, oh, I can't speak. It was our anniversary this week. Um, three glorious years since we uh, got married in Los Angeles. Um, so we celebrated on Friday um, after work was finished. I cooked a nice uh, little steak and chips. Lovely. Um, with a homemade blue cheese sauce. I'll put on the old steak. Um, I put the old blue cheese. Um, yeah, washed down with some Coca Cola from Real Glass Bottles. Oh mm-hmm. yes, doesn't get much better than that. So um, yeah, that was that was very very nice. We enjoyed that. Um, we, even even sweeter was the fact that we actually have um, this whole week off. So um, it, it was an extra special Friday, knowing that it was going to be nine days before we have to go to work again. So that is really good. Uh, it's of course Thanksgiving uh, next week in America. Um, usually we we go back and visit Michelle's family, but obviously this year we won't be going. So instead, mm. we're just having Thanksgiving here, and I'll be cooking a turkey and the mashed potatoes. You will be. Um, I'm going to be cooking the turkey and the mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. I'm leading the charge. I will be doing that. And um, so yeah, that'll be Thursday. So we got a nice uh, week off. Um, so that's that's good. The only bad thing is that uh, 
did a bit of laundry this morning and the old washing machine decided it didn't fancy it anymore. Um, and it's gone to the big um, laundry in the sky. So That's a good week when all the electronic we- uh, websites have, de- have died. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, the, the really even much better thing is that the, the kind of gap where the washing machine lives seems to have been perfectly tailored to that washing machine. There's not oh. a fucking centimetre either side. So all the washing machines I'm looking at online, they're, they're all like one centimetre too big oh. to in this space. And I'm like, well, what, what the fuck are you supposed to do? I just have to get either one exactly the same size or smaller to fit into this gap. Or saw a bit off one of the sides. Yeah, or just redo the entire kitchen. I think that's the only that's sort of the option. Mm. So I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do yet. We would like to redo the kitchen, actually, but I wasn't planning on doing it a fucking month before Christmas during the height of a pandemic. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll just wash our clothes in the bathtub with a big stick and some... With a ringer. Stuff. Yeah, I'll just do what Ricky Gervais to get, chuck them in when you're having a bath. <laughs> with the laundry detergent and just swish it around so that, that'd be good yeah. So yeah so i have to i have to spend my week off trying to sort out the washing machine now but oh well still still better than going to work so yeah that's that's been the week so far looking forward to, to next week yeah i haven't um indulged in any console buying like barry um uh, do you want to pay no. one of mine i need some rent money <laughs> well, Barry, you can use one of yours as a footrest while you're playing. New <laughs> so I wouldn't give up that luxury quite. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to have my feet really, really up to put them on the PS5. <laughs> <laughs> the PS5 might be bigger than most coffee tables. So <laughs> if you're in need. Um, no, I don't know. I've, I'm really like... I have a lot of apathy for the the new console launches. Yeah. Like I think more so than ever, there's a console launch where the the new consoles aren't significantly better versions than the existing ones, especially that I have a PS4 Pro already. It's not the same jump as we've had from PS4, PS3 to PS4, PS2 to PS3, mm. prior generations like that. So more so than ever, I don't really have that... FOMO uh, feeling like I'm missing out. Um, the games I'm playing are perfectly good. They, they've mentioned that the majority of the big upcoming PlayStation games, at least, are coming out on PS4 as well. Yeah, And I've kind of reconciled with the fact that 10 years down the line, my brain's not going to really be able to differentiate. Did I play Spider-Man Miles Morales on a PS4 or a slightly better looking version on a PS5? Mm. It's, it's not going to remember those details. So like, I have still a list of maybe 10 to 15 games on my PS4 that I want to play yeah. that I've never touched. Like, I've downloaded uh, sales versions of like Death Stranding mm. and... Far Cry 4 and The Witness and the Tomb Raider games, which I've never touched. And I want to play these games, at least the majority, if not all of them, before um, I eventually get forced to move to PS5 when when games finally are properly becoming um, exclusive there. And as I said before, um, I think this generation I'm leaning kind of more towards Xbox than PlayStation anyway as the main mm. console because while 
PlayStation, in my opinion, has the better exclusives. Xbox, especially this last maybe six months, have made some real strides in terms of exclusivity and uh, you know speaking to me and what interests me as a game player um, that like they haven't done for the previous generations. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely like to dip my toe back onto the the Xbox pool and um, maybe I'll maybe I'll pick up an Xbox. Um, before I get a PlayStation 5, yeah. which is what I did with the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 generation. I had a 360 from 2006 to 2011. Um, and it was only then that I got a PS3 Slim, which was my first ever PlayStation console. I never had a PS1, never had a PS2. Um, and by that time, all the exclusives were kind of already out, and I could just kind of pick my way through yeah. the remaining ones. Um I don't know necessarily if I leave it that late this time, but there, there's definitely, as of 22nd of Nove- uh, November 2020, there's not a real incentive for me to dive into the PlayStation yeah. uh, or Xbox new consoles, at least for another year, I would say, especially when I'm trying to save to buy a house. So yes. yeah, that for me is off the table for the time being. I'm more than satisfied with what I have. Um, however, there is one little purchase that I am looking to make for myself, which is my, um, I had used to have a lovely pair of like over ear headphones, uh, JVC headphones, um, that broke about a year and a half ago. Um, and I never replaced them. I I only have the in-ear, uh, earphones at the moment, the AirPods, but I'm someone who does like a good pair of proper headphones right so i was looking at these uh sony noise cancelling headphones because i know someone who owned has owned a pair of them and the noise cancelling on them is uh to a freaky extent there's like a button you press and suddenly you're in like a vacuum (laughs) and you can hear nothing and that i wanted to get a pair of those um sony have released like obviously iterations of these headphones like the ps5 now which are like Better, but not to the, not such a jump from the the prior iteration. Mm. So I was looking at some cheaper, and I use the term cheaper very loosely because they're still like 150, 200 euro. Um, but I'm thinking for Christmas, what I'm gonna do is rather than get a lot of smaller gifts. Now this this sounds very like presumptuous and very you know pompous of me almost. But instead of getting a lot of smaller gifts i'm just going to ask people if they wouldn't mind to contribute so i can get this nice pair of headphones because i don't really need whatever uh 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 cologne that i i, I won't wear or uh <laughs> you know the the typical um no thought put into them not no thought but you know your your, your classic cliche yeah, gifts like gifts yeah so that's kind of the only thing i want for christmas this year i don't like i even i was putting together a wish list i think i might have mentioned this already because for like natty's family and people who are asking like what should we get paul blah 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 and i just said to natty here hey here's a wish list don't like give them the wish list but just suggest them oh he might like this thing um but they're all things that are like I really forced myself to say, oh, maybe if someone got me this, I'd be happy, I guess. Really, the only thing I want is this pair of headphones, but I wasn't going to put that on the wish list because you can't have people pay on Amazon with seven different 
cards for one seventh of the price or whatever. So mm. I'll get that for myself. And if um, my brother or Natty or my parents want to go in on that with me as their gift, I'd be absolutely, you know, perfectly fine with that. Um, in other news, right? Royal Mail is good now. Oh, I, I was given out about about Royal Mail um, last week. Um, I checked then the tracking immediately after we had finished doing the podcast, and there was an update during the podcast. <laughs> so they must have heard about it. But um, that uh, package has arrived now, um, which leaves only one package remaining, which is for Natty. And I did end up having to reorder that. Um, I got a refund because it never arrived. Mm-hmm. And that's on the way again now. So we should have that sometime, sometime next week. And then the Christmas shopping is completed. Wow. And good job. It's just a case of wrapping the stuff and putting it under the tree once we put the tree up. Uh, I did. Um, I went to um, the post office uh, a couple of days ago to collect something. And I don't know if you've seen in like the news and stuff on post or like we're getting like a hundred. Uh, like a hundred and thirty percent year over year increase in activity this Christmas. Yeah. Um, Brona is currently waiting for something that she ordered like two weeks ago. Hasn't moved from Dublin for like a week. Uh, I went to collect uh, a, a, an un, an undisclosable Christmas gift from the from the depot um, uh, earlier this week, and there was a woman in the sort of line across from me, and she's basically having the exact experience. Um, she's like, this thing hasn't moved from Dublin in weeks. Is it lost? And the guy was pretty nice. He was just like, hey, it's completely rammed up there. It'll get here at some point, but I can't say anything beyond that. Um, so it's very good that you are um, done and dusted too, because uh, the closer we get to Christmas, uh, I think the more, uh, the, the, the bigger the risk you're taking uh, with the uh, with the gifts this year, because it seems like our, not, our already not very good postal service is um, struggling. That was that was my exact thinking. So uh, yeah, I, I have a, I have a, a, a little bit few uh, bits to get, and then I'm, I'm done and dusted. Hoping hoping before the month itself rolls around to be done. Um, so I think that's is that is that life got for the week? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, we can jump in there to Telegov. I haven't really got a whole lot of Telegov. Uh, gone into season five of Malcolm in the Middle now. Uh, you know, uh, this this is kind of the 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 home stretch where it's 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 noticeably lesser, but but still, I'm finding it solidly watchable. I I remember at the time watching this stuff as a in like you know as a teenager thinking it the show had properly lost its way it, it really doesn't lose its way really aggressively uh it's still it's still a fine watch and uh, the other thing we capped off blind manor uh on netflix the haunting of blind manor uh which you might be able to tell from the fact that i started this show when it came out at the end of october and i just finished it now that it has the classic netflix thing of maybe being two episodes too long <laughs> uh, and because we burned through the first eight fairly quick, and then we just did the last two there um, this week. But that is to say, you know, it was still good. It was, it was not bad, but it was too long, uh, too close to the original uh, premise uh, and the original season to to really shine. But but good, you know, at, at the same ballpark of quality, and, and still worth a watch if you enjoyed that first season. Um, if they do a third thing, I. We kind of hope they completely flip the script in, in terms of what it is. 
But uh, yeah, good. So, uh, a solid thumbs up nonetheless for that. Uh, that's that's all the telly I watched this week. Mm. Um, watched a, watched a few shows. So we um, we finished off uh, the fourth season of The Crown, um, which told the uh, complete deterioration of. Uh, Charles and Diana, the oh, no. marriage. Oh no, they're both. Did they put out that season in one go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they always oh. dump the whole season in. Okay, okay. Uh, one day, and so we watched all two episodes a night. Uh, let's go through it. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. It's quite a. This season feels quite different. It's never been a show that kind of it humanizes the royals, but it doesn't kind of glorify them like it does sort of show them warts and all. But this uh, this. Season's been a lot more scathing of um, of the royals. Um, everything from um, the, the troubles to Charles and die to Thatcher and the unemployment and the how they treat kind of certain members of the family. Like um, it's getting a bit a bit more Republican this season, which I like the, the flavour of. Um, but yeah, really good season. Obviously, all the big hitters were there: Charles, die, Thatcher. So uh, a, a return to form. The lads. All the lads, uh, yeah, real real return to form um, after quite a boring season three. So I'm I'm looking forward to um, the final season, which will be uh, season five, which will cover uh, the glorious nineties, uh, the nineties where everything was good and great, <laughs> and brilliant, and nothing bad ever happened. So uh, I'm looking the, forward to that. The rise of Steve Austin. Yeah, the rise of Steve Austin. Uh, the, the N64, the PlayStation came out. I'm sure that'll that'll be part of it. Uh, Peak Simpsons. Yeah, Simpsons. <laughs> they'll have they'll have Gillian Anderson going. Oh, don't step on another ring. I always do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I look forward to seeing who who plays uh, Tony Blair in that season and sort of how far they go. But uh, yeah, good season overall. Um, also, finally started The Mandalorian. Watched uh, just the first episode of that, which was quite fun. Uh, there's this big yeah. dragon thing in it, and the Mandalorian uh, becomes friends with um, Timothy Elephant, and um, they have to kill the dragon or something. So uh, it was fun. Uh, it's good. Um, look forward to watching the rest of the news. Uh, and also watched a few more uh, classic Simpsons uh, episodes. So I watched today probably what I think uh, was the best episode um, so far, which is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, where Homer finds his uh, long-lost um, half-brother, Herb, Herb Pal, um, as voiced by Danny DeVito. Such a funny episode. And it has that joke at the beginning where Grandpa's telling him about um, about Herb and about the relationship he had with the woman who works at the corner. Yes. And he, um. <laughs> she did things your mother would never do, like have sex for money. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when I was doing my last watch through, that was the first joke I got to where I was like crying laughing. Yeah, I feel like that's the first like proper Simpsons joke so far in the series like the really kind of quintessential Simpsons jokes that's this is the very first occurrence and that whole episode has lots of great stuff like the the Dr. Hibbert's twin who works in the adoption um or the orphanage in uh, Shelbyville uh, is really funny as well yeah so that's a that's a great episode really 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 enjoyed that one uh yeah and that's been that's been about it for, for TV this week other than that just plowing through the old West Wing so uh, that's that's been it 
Um, so I watched also Mandalorian, watched the new one. Mm. I felt very similarly about it as I did the third one. And I think it's something that, although I enjoyed the first episode, the one which Joe just watched, I think that criticism also applies to that first episode to an extent, which is too often the Mandalorian is the show. I mean, not the character. I keep whatever his name is. Jin Jagesh or something. They that show is, does he have a name? I don't know if he has they, a name. They do. They mentioned the name a few times oh. throughout the series. Let me look it up quickly. Because they did say it in was it the new one? I think they said his name. Uh yeah, Din Jarin. Okay. Din Jarin. Um the show is too concerned with getting to the shooty shooty action scenes that doesn't spend enough time setting things up so that the action feels important. Okay. So in that first episode, Joe, mm. obviously, Barry, you've not watched any of the Mandalorian new season, right? Mm. In that first episode, without spoiling anything for Barry, the Mandalorian and the Babi Yodi <laughs> arrive in this like very Western-feeling outskirt town, right? Yeah. Which Timothy Elephant is the like sheriff of basically right and the town is being attacked by this dragon thing which leading to the the action which takes yeah, the, the, the shooting the shooting bang but they don't spend any time setting up the town what the, what the town is who any of the people who live in the town are except for timothy oliphant's character no there's no other characters from the town they're all just faceless people stupid barman who's like and the barman, but the barman has no character. He's just there. Mandalorian. <laughs> right? And then later in the episode, there's like an alliance made with some other mm. people of a specific type. None of them are, have characters or names <laughs> again. So a lot of that kind of stuff, the let's call it the human side of the show, consistently feels very undercooked. Mm. Just to serve the action better, but then the action feels lesser because you don't get so attached to the characters because it's so undercooked. And that's something that's, in my opinion, been true of three of the first four episodes uh, of the season so far, especially episode three and four, which are like, "Hey, there's these uh, characters. Never mind that. Uh, go to fight stormtroopers quickly." And like these last two episodes have both been like only thirty to thirty-five minutes long. Of which 20 minutes of it is the action, you know? I just wish that they had, like, five minutes extra to just introduce a little extra about the characters or the location just to make you fully understand what the stakes are mm. before moving on to the action. Um, and it's funny because the, the, the third episode especially was, like, critically acclaimed by all your typical... Max geek geek websites, yeah. Um, and I thought episode three was the weakest of the first three. So, because for that very reason, the action felt very bland and by the numbers. And while it sets up some like mythology stuff and some stuff which I'm sure is going to kind of weave its way into the main plot, the action felt really boring and bland. And I none of the characters were of any real importance based on what we knew about them. They were just quickly introduced, a few lines here and there. All right, off to the action we go. So, 
Uh, that feels like it's becoming more and more a problem with that show, even though I still enjoy, I've enjoyed every episode um, to varying amounts. But I think episodes one and two have been the better of the four that they put out so far. Um, it still has that problem that I mentioned last week as well, which is that the concept art during the end <laughs> credits often looks cooler than the actual show does. <laughs> which is uh, interesting that they keep putting it there. Um, we're plugging away with Twin Peaks. Watched a few more of those. We only have five more episodes of the original series. Um, we're out of what is now generally considered the worst part. We're coming out of the worst part into the upswing, into like the okay episodes mm. before you know finally reaching the finale when the great David Lynch returns and What's going on? No, we're not doing any of that. I'm just going to do what I want. So I'm very excited to get to that as well. But um, yeah, definitely better than what it has been lately. But I think the problem with the, the second half of Twin Peaks is that I think I might have mentioned this already, so I don't want to repeat myself. But after the, the Laura Palmer story is concluded, the show feels a lot less connected because for those first let's say 15 episodes or whatever it is, all of the various characters and all of the various subplots were all linked via the murder. So right. all of the plots had something to do with the murder, right? Once that's resolved, the plots become very disconnected because they don't have anything to do with each other because there's no central hook tying the show together anymore. The show kind of loses that identity and becomes, again, more of a soap opera than a satire of a soap opera. Um, there are some good uh, storylines happening at the moment, especially with Agent Cooper and uh, Wyndham Earl. That's really only kind of getting s- properly started now. Um, but yeah, still, still a show that is. Uh, I mean, those first fifteen episodes were as good as as good as anything. Definitely takes a huge step down after that. But um, I'm excited to get to the series uh, finale watch the movie, and then get started in season three. Um, also plugging away on Gilmore Girls, Whee. which uh, I still very much enjoy. We're on about episode 12 or 13 of season one. Okay. So we're making slow but steady progress. I'm getting more and more anno- annoyed, not now only by the rich people, which I had that rant last week, but also Lorelai is becoming very annoying. Um <laughs> She just, like, in the first, like, ten or so episodes, I didn't really have a problem with it. She was, like, one of the more likable characters in this sea of, like, rich snobs and, like, crazy people, right? She was, like, the grounded, sane person in the world, right? But lately, where the, I don't know if it's the last, like, two or three episodes, maybe it kind of starts once Max Medina gets introduced, mm. but... She becomes a, like more and more bratty, and she just has a witty comeback for like everything to the extent that she doesn't take anything seriously. Mm. Like she has like very serious, grounded like arguments with her mother, even some where the mother is in the right, and she just has like a witty teenage comeback for everything, and it's just insufferable, and I can't stand it when she does it. Um. The rest of that show continues to be very good. Uh, one character that I really like, which I'm not sure that I'm supposed to, but I, I just like how 
almost extreme it is in the world that the show takes place is uh, Lane's mother. Oh, Lane's mother, yeah. Mrs. Kim. Mrs. Kim, who's, who's this, like, ultra-strict Korean parent. But she's, like, extreme with her strictness, and I just like how she's almost like the the end boss of the video game that is Lane's life. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I just something about her character really appeals to me because it's so unlike anything else on the show. Whereas all the rest of the characters, not that they all speak with the same voice, but there's a similarity there. Um, I like the episode where they went on the the double date with um, the boyfriend Dean and his his friend oh, yeah. who she was in love with and then he turned out to just be like his favorite movie was Beethoven with the dog yeah. well that's what um, <laughs> um, I don't know she was looking more for like a Kurosawa movie or something I think that he was and not because she was Asian because that's a highfalutin thing um, but enjoying that enjoying that as well so that's kind of what our, since we finished Drag Race our days have become kind of a hodgepodge of watching an episode of Twin Peaks and an episode of Gilmore Girls. We'll typically watch one each a day, something like that. Um, and I think that's all the TV. Oh no, we're, we're watching Master Chef, uh, The Professionals as well, which started last mm. week. Um, I really, really enjoy that. Although one thing that I noticed about it, right, and this is maybe more of a cultural difference between the UK and the US rather than a difference between like chefs and drag queens. But <laughs> there's a, uh, <laughs> there's a, a, a segment in MasterChef where they do kind of like a, a, a blind invention test, right? Where mm. they don't know what the ingredients are going to be. And then they like show them like, here's the tables that have the ingredients. You have to make a meal from these ingredients. And so they have like a little, um, like a little um, checklist or whatever, and they they go up and they look at. Oh, okay, we got some uh, some uh, some lobster. We have some uh, some nice herbs there. The, and the, and it's very very you know calmly analyzing the ingredients mm. and kind of putting formulating a plan. And they have like ten minutes to do that before they have to start cooking. Right? They do a similar thing in Drag Race where. They have they're given some kind of drag that they have to do, and they're like, and and you can use fabrics provided by whatever company, and you can use wigs provided by Rockstar Wigs or whatever. <laughs> and then you have like seven gays running as fast as they can and just grabbing wigs and grabbing pearls and like pushing tables over on each other. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this Master Chef is a really calm show to watch compared to the madness of uh, Drag Race, but. That is all the TV that I watched this week. Well then, sounds good though. Um, We can move on then into the video games. Uh, I've kind of just been tipping away at the the stuff I mentioned last week on the old Xbox. I'm still playing Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I think I'm about halfway done uh, with that now. It's getting quite tough, uh, which I had heard about it. Uh, very tough, but but very, very rewarding as well. It's just got that classic um, Metroidvania thing about it. It's just uh, the more you play, you know, every area you get to, it's like there's a new wonderful art style, but also a new mechanic 
to coincide with it that you have to get to grips with. I just got done a, a spooky section where you're uh, going through like the depths of this underground world and um, it's covered in shadow. And so you have to hop from light sources to light sources um, uh, until you unlock an ability to generate your own light, which is very cool. I beat that and then I went to... Uh, around halfway through the game they put four objectives basically on the four uh, corners of the map and you can tackle them in any order you want so i did that underground one first and then i just went to the complete opposite side of the map to get the next one and it is in the most like eye searingly beautiful like forest area you've ever seen complete contrast from the dark cobwebbed insect infested levels i was just in it's kind of like a uh, Really, really bright blue waters, uh, uh, green leaves, but also tons of like pink and just really, really, really beautiful colors. It's 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 really great. It's just a really great fantasy world they've they've made there with Ori. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, plugging away at that. Uh, Doom Eternal also not really much more to say on that. Still enjoying it and Yakuza Seven, which is uh, still good. So the Yakuza games tend to take a couple of hours to get going. Um, I've heard this one is is longer, longer in general and longer to get going, and I'm still feeling that. I'm about five hours in. Um, and it's not like all tutorial and all cutscene, but but you haven't gotten to the open world yet, and that's, that's where the meat is to me. Um, and I haven't quite gotten there, but I'm enjoying um, uh, what I've experienced so far. It really is a completely different genre of game with the turn-based combat. It is like a, an old-school JRPG. You have uh, it's, it's turn-based combat. You have items. There's, <laughs> despite being a sort of gritty uh, uh, Japanese crime family thriller, there is a magic stat that your character has. I don't know what it does <laughs> okay. yet because I haven't got, I haven't gotten to that. I haven't gotten to that part of the story, but that. I believe that's in a Yakuza game because it's very much a game of two halves, uh, you know, with with patent absurdity uh, right next to the seriousness. Uh, but yeah, turn-based combat with, like, party members as well. Like, it's fully a different game because whereas the all the other ones are proper action games, you know, they're, they're hammering the square button to punch people in, and, and do combos and stuff. But um, yeah, I really enjoying it. I did just get my first bit of... Um, kind of yak as a goofiness where you your character hits rock bottom and he he lives in a homeless encampment and to get any bit of money he has to collect cans to recycling but of course to uh, for pennies but of course that becomes a mini game where you're racing around town like uh like it's a, a cart racer collecting cans as collectibles and you can ram other hobos off the road to steal their cans um and things of that nature so it's 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 good fun but i haven't i haven't really um haven't really hit the 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 gooey center of the open worlds uh of the akaza game yet but uh still enjoying it still very much enjoying it and that's really it nothing uh nothing else really there about the uh the games this week okay um so i'm still on hyrule warriors on the on the switch um that's, that's definitely scratching mm. my zelda itch um as everyone knows i like the zelda and that um still enjoying that although i think the game is going to end up being longer than i had kind of anticipated that it would i think there's something like 20 25 levels in in the main story mode of the game 
and each level can take like 25 to 35 minutes to complete if you do it first time. Um, and there have been missions. Okay, the, the, the game does have a like restart from last checkpoint option. But sometimes, depending on how you were doing at the time of the checkpoint, sometimes it's easier to just restart the mission. Because um, I had a checkpoint where I had to like prevent one of my allies from dying, and literally within fifteen seconds of restarting, they would die. So, it, it, you know that 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 uh, specific level probably took me in the range of an hour to complete. So mm-hmm. I, I, we might be looking at maybe like a 15 to 20 hour campaign. And that's not taking into account all the other modes that the game has as well, like a challenge mode and adventure mode and stuff like that. Um, but still very much enjoying it. Uh, as I said, I've, I've never kind of dipped my toe into any of these Dynasty Warrior style games before. But I think it's one that suits the, the Zelda story quite well. Um, and it is satisfying, again, in a c- cookie clicker kind of way to just mow down wave <laughs> upon wave of enemies. And then when it introduces a mini boss or, or a full boss into the game, the game takes on a little bit of a, a layer of strategy that it doesn't otherwise have. So it does still keep you on your toes in that way. But I, I very much enjoy it. I'm thinking once I beat it, I probably won't go straight into Age of Calamity. But this was, this was a nice, or it still is, this is a nice little kind of test run for a later go on that game. Um, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Finished, more like. Uh, got the Platinum Trophy on that on Friday. The Platinum? Fucking hell. Well, I, I said last week I'd probably have it finished. I think I played about 14 to 16 hours between... Uh, us doing the podcast and Friday afternoon. So I put a lot of time into that. But it's a very gettable platinum. Um, There are only really one or two trophies that you have to go any way out of your way from just comprehensively being the main story to get. Like There's there's one that you have to like bow in front of ten hidden areas of the game that like you would never do just playing the game um there's there's like two or three trophies like that but but with a guide i wrapped them up in like 15 minutes it's not something that's going to take a lot of time um i guess the only time consuming part of the game is clearing out the map but i was able to do that in the in the second and third areas pretty painlessly like i said the, the best way to play the game is to just forget about doing the checkboxing and just do the quests, especially the side quests, because they, that, they flesh out the main story so so much more. Um, and in doing those, you will clear out enough of the map that you can start chipping away at the enemy camps because you already know where they are just by virtue of having visited so many places in the game. And then right. you can, again, more easily do the checkboxing because you'll have found the majority on the map of the question marks and the various things that you have to do. Um, so yeah, I think my final play time was in the range of like 46 and a half hours. Um, wow. Which is like a third of what I spent playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you know? So for me, that's definitely more on the right side of how long I want these games to be. Um, 
I did hit that first wall, as I mentioned, about 18 hours in, because I had been playing the first part of the game like an Assassin's Creed game, where I wasn't doing the quests right away. I was kind of saving those, clearing the map out, and then doing the quests. I think that's completely the wrong way to play this game. You definitely have to do the quests, because that keeps your interest in the game, and then keep the checkbox in for later when you know you can stick a podcast on and just chip away at the map then. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I think um, it goes in very interesting directions, especially in the second and third parts of the game. There is some very, very good writing. I would say the writing for me is on par with Last of Us 2. And in many ways, Ooh. I prefer the story of Ghost of Tsushima to Last of Us 2. Now, Last of Us 2, you remember, I wasn't you know, hot on the idea of getting it, but then once I played it, I, I totally, totally enjoyed it, apart from some uh, mechanical issues I had with the game, let's say, like the boss battles and stuff like that. But the writing of the yeah. game, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. And I thought Ghost of Tsushima, especially in those later parts, uh, climbed to those same heights. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think I kind of enjoyed playing it more than a, than a Assassin's Creed. I, I mean... I think it's tough to say because they're, they're they although uh, at a glance they're very similar. I think they they really aren't. Assassin's Creed is a lot more kind of arcadey and fun to play, whereas Ghost of Tsushima is a little bit more measured and you kind of have to. You know, we talked about the stands that you have to use a certain stand against a certain enemy and you know stuff like that. You don't have um, special moves in the way that you do in Assassin's Creed and and things of things like that. Um, but I liked, uh, I really liked the Ghost of Tsushima uh, fighting system, the combat system. And uh, as I said, I thought the story was really great, especially later on. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it's definitely in the conversation for, for my game of the year. Um, after I finished Last of Us 2, I kind of thought that that would be it. But uh, now I'm not so sure. I think Ghost of Tsushima all in all... God, I, I, I might have liked it more than Last of Us 2. And that's not something I expected uh, oh. when I started playing it. But there you go. Um, and now that that's done, I've started playing a very different kind of game. I'm playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 uh, on the old PS4. I've beat the first two levels um, doing all the, what are they, the uh, achievements that they set out for you to, uh, to do. Um, yeah. It's fun because I, I definitely split my uh, playtime in Tony Hawk's into two distinct categories. I'll do my first run uh, because you know, for those who haven't played the game, is like you you have a two minute go at each level essentially that you can repeat mm. ad nauseum, right? But you you when you start playing the level, you have a two minute time limit to do whatever you want during that run. My first run. I will usually get all of the combo achievements and all of the high score achievements. The score. So yeah, first yeah. run, um, I get like 300,000 overall points. I'll get a 90,000 combo. And so in that first run, I will, without exploring the level at all, I'll just find the first like half pipe and do it on that. I'll get all the score achievements. And then the rest of my runs will be discovering the level... Uh, seeing where, like, mapping out my runs, like, I, I won't immediately try and get the five, like, scale letters usually you can just get, because they're usually quite close together, but sometimes you have, yeah, like, they're, yeah. They're on, like, one yeah, line sometimes you'll have, like, collect the five 
whatever textbooks i think it is on the school level and so i'll just go like go around the level noting in my head where okay there's one there there's one there and then and then when i've kind of figured out what the best run would be i'd maybe test test run that run a few times and then do an actual run to try and do it so i i really like that game loop it's very kind of relaxing to play because there's no pressure on you to do it like right away although on the school level because i've never played tony hawks one or two i've never played either of any iteration well i never owned a a ps1 or ps2 i know the first one was came out on n64 but i never had on it yeah those 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 versions i tell you what though if you want some something bizarre to just investigate in your spare time uh, a a youtube rabbit hole you might enjoy is look up the n64 versions of the, the soundtrack uh to to those first two games because they you know a lot of the licensed songs you're hearing now uh in in this version were in the ps1 version of the game but in the n64 version because of the compromised uh sound card and tools in that console and in compliance with nintendo's you know can be raunchy in our video game stuff uh, basically the entire soundtrack for that game for those first two games they're all like 20 second loops um so yeah, just just YouTube that stuff, and you will. <laughs> it's like it's an it's an amazing obscurity weird thing just to think yeah. back on. Um, just to just hear a twenty second loop of a Papa Roach song that still has a bleeped lyric in it because even the twenty second loop isn't. Well, perfect, I remember. Yeah. Wasn't that true? Also, I don't know if it was true. Also, because I never played the PlayStation equivalents. But wasn't that true of like uh, WWF Attitude that the theme song was just like a thirty second, and then it was just like cut. Like cut off. Yes, yeah, yeah, because they sixty four didn't have a lot of space tech. on the old cartridge, unfortunately, for that kind of thing. No, no, um, no. I've never played those games, so it's it's kind of all it's not new to me because I've played quite a few of the Tony Hawk's games. I know mechanically how they work, but I'm not familiar with the levels and so on. You know, so that to me is new. So on the school level, I spent about twenty five fucking minutes looking for the fifth bell that I had to wall ride and it was up at the some building oh my god i spent so much time going around the level i was like okay i found four of the bells where is the last bell that i have to grind on um did find it eventually but uh that's that was the one part where it kind of became a little bit less relaxing because i started to get frustrated because i couldn't find it but i'm on the third level now the mall um i've only done my initial high score run i haven't started exploring that level yet but uh, no, I'm I'm uh, really enjoying it. It's nice to have Tony Hawk back uh, and and be good. So big thumbs up on that one. Nice. Um, well, I got a couple of games. I got a couple of games to discuss. So as I as I talked about last week, I was been playing Super Mario Sunshine, um, the the holiday edition of uh, Super Mario. Um, I think last week I was at something like thirty five shines or 40 maybe no you had more what? didn't you didn't you have like 70 or something or maybe it was the week before i was at 35 last week or 70 yeah um yeah either way i've i've finished it now got the, the 120 wow the 120 shines um wow. it, the thing is like most of the final kind of shines are all just collecting blue coins um you get like there's something like 300 blue coins in the game and you get one shine for every 10 blue coins. So it's like 30 shines for just collecting coins. Um, so I spent the last, you know, most of the 
the end of it doing that. Uh, there wasn't any really like too many tricky levels. There's one, um, it's a what do you call it like a leap pad? They call it leap, leap pads, lily pad, whatever they are. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, leap pad level where you have to um, like float along a kind of toxic river and collect the red coins, which is really hard. It's I did it. I got I burned through about twenty five lives the first time I tried it, and so I, I then went and stocked up on on extra lives. Got about fifty extra lives and went back and played it, and um, did it on the second go. So that was a waste of time. Um, but yeah, it was. It's, my my opinion hasn't uh, shifted too much um, since since I uh, spoke last week. I think it's still the weakest game in. The main, the main kind of yeah. Mario games. Um, there's not that much variety. You've got sort of seven or eight different lands within there. It's all kind of beach, beachy ocean themes, so it's quite repetitive. And so, and all of the levels are padded out with just coin collecting. Like that's that's, just, that's all you do um, for half the game. Uh, and I tell you what, bows are in this game as well. I mean, Jesus Christ, that that guy shows up for a cup of coffee. Um, he, he collected his paycheck. Definitely didn't have his working boots on because he was in and out in about two minutes. Uh, he was he was he was beaten <laughs> easily. It does a little cameo at the end, and that's it. I mean, God, it was like watching. It was like when a, one of those old WCW guys shows up in TNA, and they're clearly just there for the paycheck. Um, yeah, so the, weak, the weakest of the games. I did. I think inevitably, if you put that many hours into a game, you get a bit more fonder of it. Just. Um, because you're playing it every day, and the, some of the mechanics of the the water thing, the you know like the hover hovering and stuff is is quite fun, and you get used to playing that. But overall, it doesn't really stack up with any of the other the other big Mario games. Um, so yeah, I, I finished that off, and then I before going on to um, Super Mario Galaxy, which we will be the final um, Mario game I'll, I'll play this year. Um, I've gone back to Super Mario Brothers Two. Um, which was which was the NES game, um, which in America and Europe was a kind of re <laughs> rebadged version of a game called Doki Doki Panic, um, which is another platformer that they kind of just slapped Mario and some of the some of the music and designs on um, released here. Um, so I'm playing that. That game is worse than Sunshine. Um, I mean that one. <laughs> if if Sunshine doesn't feel like a Mario game, this one literally isn't a Mario game. Um, it, it's kind of just a, a bog standard platformer that they put Mario in. Um, it's also incredibly difficult, which is fun. Um, it's one of those early platform games where you just die constantly, and you are just killed <laughs> yeah. over and over again. And of course, I'm using the um, the function. What's it called? The U. The rewind, yeah. Well, you can put, you can, you know, save, save your position and just replay over again. Because otherwise, I'd have not got past two or three levels on this game by now. It's uh, impossible. Um, it is. I didn't realize though. This game is the debut of quite a few iconic Mario villains, like uh, Shy Guy, yeah. Bomb, uh, and a few others. Um, so I guess that's its its part in history. But yeah, I'm going to play this, and then I'm going to play the Lost levels as well. Um, which is part of Super Mario All Stars? Yeah, the the real Super Mario Bros. No, it's the real Super Mario Brothers Two that was released in Japan. So I'm going to play the fake two and the real two. Get those out of the way. Then I'm going to play Galaxy, and then I'll have done every single um, mainline Mario game uh, since since the summer. 
the um the real two is brutal. <laughs> it is brutal. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard it's tough. I think I'll be uh, abusing the old rewind feature on that one. Um, yeah. And now, what happens when when you play and love Galaxy, and you know that there exists a Galaxy Two out there? Well, yeah, I've been, that you can I've been, play. I've been thinking about that. Maybe <laughs> I might have to buy a Wii. <laughs> you could probably get a Wii in a like thrift store to use the, the Americanism for yeah. it fairly, like cheaply, I would say, or even on like eBay or whatever. Mm. Um, and it is a full on because I mean, right? as it's much as an, an expansion. First of all, I, I totally agree. Like, I hate Sonic and I, I hate Crash Bandicoot, but I really hate Super Mario Bros. too. Um, but uh, the general consensus is that Galaxy 2 is the better of the two Galaxy games. So, okay. Um, Here we and go. ironically, Here we go. ironically, is the one that I haven't beaten because I've, I've, I've beaten the first mm. Galaxy. I've never beaten Galaxy 2. Um, and then you have as well 3D World, which is coming to the Switch next year yeah. as well. Yeah. So that might be next on your... Uh, yeah, I might look into uh, that next year. But yeah, I would really... Um, that is going to annoy me that I, I don't, can't play uh, Galaxy 2 because that will be basically the only, sort of the, main, only one. the only main game. And also, so you will have played Galaxy um, with the Switch control scheme. Mm. And should you one day play Galaxy 2 on the Wii, you would have to play with the Wii controls that you have to adapt. To, to learning those yeah I, 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 hopefully they release galaxy yeah. 2 on the switch hopefully they do the right thing um do the right thing come on nintendo. nintendo do the right thing um but yeah that's that's been the gaming for the week so i'm uh plowing through mario good. it's already good good shit uh that's been a, a hefty edition of the game guff there um uh from us all world plowing through our various uh, uh, backlogs. Um, uh, on the movie go front, uh, I watched... I, what, I'm trying to think. Uh, something came about... Oh, you know what it was? I was watching the um, uh, Homer Loves Flanders episode of uh, Simpsons, and during that bit where he's chasing them with the golf clubs, I was just like, <laughs> I want to watch Terminator 2 um, again, because I haven't watched it in... I on, uh, probably since I was way too young to be watching it, uh, I'm fairly sure. So watch that again. We just rewatched Terminal. I rewatched and, and Brona watched for the first time Terminator a few months ago. It's on Netflix. The best one. The best one. Terminator one. Um, <laughs> I agree. Don't say that loud though, because people don't agree. Uh, now Terminator two. I watched Terminator two, and it's it's you know it's still a banger. I mean it's fantastic. It's it's. It's still an awesome action, like a proper, proper blockbuster spectacle today. And I just like I just wish I could have been old enough to go to the mm-hmm. cinema and see it and appreciate it at the time it came out, especially the visual effects, which like I don't want to say they quote unquote hold up. Like you're not going to confuse it with a 2020 film, but like they, they're still really cool and they're also really creative. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just all those, those melty T1000 effects. I mean, they're just genuinely so, so, so good. Um, I, I was watching the ultimate DVD version, which I believe it's like, uh, some 10 hour, uh, uh, collection of both the first two films. Uh, I'm sure there is probably a shinier, uh, remaster since came out, but, um, 
yeah, really spectacular action film. To me, though, I, I, I just didn't really, I didn't at the time, and I still don't like uh, Terminator as this kind of like little kid's pet. Like that stuff, I just don't like it. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with him being a good guy, uh, but this particular version of it isn't great. And I, I do, if I, if I had a choice, the Terminator would always be a bad guy. You can't beat the dynamic of that first movie. Um, but it's still great. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I, we haven't gotten into the real shit of the franchise yet. Um, so these those first two are still classics. And we finally broke the seal on the old Crimbo movies. Um, I forgot to mention it during Life Golf, but we did decorate the flat uh, on Saturday night, which is quite fun. And we decided to put on some Christmas Garbo in the background um, while, while doing that. And Garbo, indeed, it was Christmas with the Cranks, which I'd never seen before. Shit, <laughs> shit, 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 shit. Tim Allen, what are you doing, brother? You made one of the all-time greats, uh, and here you are slumming it. Uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis, who I also expect better of. Um, just bad. Just a, a, a movie about like a commercially old couple who wants to... Hang on, I got Steve's coming! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Apologies, listeners. I, cu- I couldn't get to the mute in time. Um, but yeah, it's about this couple who just basically want to give up on Christmas and go on a cruise, and then they realize their daughter's coming home, so they have to haphazardly um, throw together a, a Christmas for her. It's um, it's kind of one of those ones that, more so than anything else, there's not really much to enjoy about the film, except for the fact that it's one of those movies that's like a, an insight into creepy American neighborhoods, uh, not watch necessarily, but, you know neighborhood tiny neighborhood associations you know what i mean um here in ireland we have tidy towns in england they have whatever hot fuzz was was parodying um yeah just because the the whole thing is all the the tim allen and his wife they want to not do christmas and save their money and go on a cruise and the neighborhood association is just like but you have to have your snowman on on your roof. We all do it, and then you host the party. That's the done thing, and they're like, it's like an affront to to their society that he's not doing it. But other than that, it's not very good. So uh, off on a bad foot, but to be fair, we did intentionally pick something that uh, we did not want to have to pay that much attention to while we were decorating. So um, uh, onwards and upwards from here. um, uh, Brona has not seen Gina on the way, so we'll be fixing that. I might yeah. make her watch with her yeah. commentary, to be honest. Um, and also, in all seriousness, a bigger affront to, to God. She's not seen Die Hard. Oh, um, so I don't know how she's lived, but um, we'll, we'll be solving that and many other of the classics um, in the next few weeks. I've also got a little doc here that I drew up just for my own review of um, just just Christmas stuff to watch. Um, I've uh, I've nicely collated all the episode numbers and all of that. Uh, you know, Simpsons episode one, and then Marriage Be Not Proud, uh, Christmas episode of Malcolm in the Middle season three, all the Robot Santa episodes of Futurama. Uh, underrated one here, Paul. You, I'm sure you'd appreciate the season one episode of Scrubs. Very good episodes. Uh, Office Christmas special, of course. Father Ted Christmas special, of course. Uh, Always Sunny Christmas special, of course, a classic. Uh, and then the movies, all the usual movies, Krampus, Nightmare Before Christmas, Muppets Christmas Carol, Jingle All the Way, Die Hard, Batman Returns, why not? Home Alone, why not? Get it all in there. Uh, they're all on there, so we're going to work our way through them. Look forward to that. Most of those movies talked about ten times <laughs> already on this podcast, but... Uh, 
Uh, that's I can't wait for Barry's Christmas. Jingle All The Way is actually bad take. <laughs> Folks, on an eighth <laughs> viewing, uh, I've, I've come to some conclusions. Um, alrighty. Enough messing around. We've had some fun on this podcast. We've chatted about buying Xboxes and Playstations. We're all doing it, right? Uh, but now it's time for some serious competition. Because we're blowing the dust off a classic here on the Shop Podcast this week with an edition of Dwayne Johnson oh Busters. God. Okay? After my barnstorming performance on that quiz there last week or the week before, I've decided to step back into the role of, um, you know, uh, uh, Bradley Walsh. And I'll just be hosting this one. I, I haven't seen it, no. I've heard, yeah, I heard yeah, the whispers. Um, he's Irish as well. Oh, Jesus, is it me? No. No, but he, he's, yeah, he's a funny looking fella. He's got like a cowboy. Oh, my God. Tie, curly hair and a cowboy tie. <laughs> oh, my God. He's the worst looking person in the world. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> oh man! Okay. Um, and, and you know, in the spirit of, of Dwayne Johnson, Foster, you know, they, these are little, you know. <laughs> well, we'll see. Anyway, um, so and obviously, to, to to make it not too easy, I'm not going to initially give you the uh, initial. If you are struggling, I will give you the initial. Okay. If you're a new listener, it's a it's a roundabout way of giving a cryptic clue that in some way or another will make a wrestler's name and keep things, you know, uh, somewhat fair. These are active wrestlers currently, you know, on televised wrestling shows. You know, uh, it could be WWE, AEW, Impact. You know, I'm, I'm not going obscure indie guys or anything like that. So, first one to just shout these out gets it. Okay, we got three. Do you have to sh- wait? Do you have to share your name or shout the answer? What do you prefer? Well, I, I know. Um, I think I know your voices at this stage. So okay. if you just say the answer, I should be able to tell who got it. Uh, okay. Question number one. Here's a clue. The Northern Brit said, "Hurry up, and we'll go to that car dealership." I will also say I'm opening with the worst <laughs> Okay. The Northern Brit said, hurry up and we'll go to that car dealership. <laughs> this is really bad. <laughs> uh, I'll try to figure out the second part. This is a tough one, I would say. Um, so I, I'll, I'll give you another minute before I throw you the uh, the, the initials. Um, initial. Yeah. And I don't think the initial will make it super easy either. I, I think but it'll make it a bit more competitive. Okay. What are you thinking, Joe? Any, I don't any... want to tip my hand too much. I'm trying to... No, neither do I. That's why I'm, I'm trying being to... quiet here, because I made that mistake in the last quiz. I'm trying to think of northern expressions that sound like a name. Uh, <laughs> in, uh, somewhat. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, oh God. Hmm. 
All right, I'm going to throw out the uh, the initial it. here. It's M F oh. for Mother Foxtrot. Northern Brit M. If I could give you another hint, think about the second part and the F. Okay. That will give you a big clue. M F. Right, I'll give you a, give you a minute here for a <laughs> call. I, maybe I'll give you. Oh, I have. I know a wrestler whose initials are MF, and it's a bit carry, but I, I'm trying to make it work with. I think that's your mistake. Don't try and make it. Can we have more than one guess? Or uh, I don't think there's a okay. limit on the guesses, so long as you don't Mo- take the Montez Go Ford. Montez Ford. Ford. <laughs> there Wait. you go. Well done, Paul. Mon- Was that Ford. right? I don't yes. understand how that means. Mon 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 Ford. Ford. <laughs> Why North Brit? Because uh, that's the the that was northern yeah, not Northern English, not Northern Britain. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't say I. I should. Which is yeah. Northern Britain, yeah. Scotland. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, you know what I, you I know, was thinking you know Scott. I mean. Someone. You know I, mean. I was like Scott Steiner. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> okay. Well, I fluked that one. That I almost don't want a point for that one. You get it anyway. Well, you're getting one. All right. Um. <laughs> uh. Next one. You're going to have to pay a levy on that flooring. Ooh. You're going to have to pay a levy on that flooring. You're going to have to pay a levy on that flooring. Ooh. Again, this one I think when you when you when you it's not good, but when you hear it, you'll go, ah, of course. Is it Taxi Tiley Boy? <laughs> oh, I love him in AEW Dark. <laughs> um, this is kind of similar to the first one, although I thought the first one was Scott something, so I was actually not close. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it Maybe I should just give you the initials to begin with for all of these. Uh, D-H. Mm, 
Delta Hogwarts. Uh, oh, D- Dax Harwood. Uh, Excellent, Dax Harwood. Wait, Tax Harwood. Oh, Dax Tax oh, the Harwood. That's a whack. Hardwood kind of works. I'll give you that. But yeah, Tax Hardwood. Tax Hardwood. So the, so the answer, I probably would have got him with a more penisy clue. So the answer but... rhymes with the the wrestler. That's what we're, that's what we're looking for. It's not, not actually the name. Yeah, listen, listen. Yeah, well, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's probably the best one. I think it's the one you might you probably get quick. Just well. just quickly before you do it, I, for for that wrestler, I would have done that. Um, that aquatic bird's got a, an erection. What's that about? And that would have been ducks hardwood. Yeah, sorry. Well, you can I do it next time. That, nope. that exact one. Uh, anyway, last question. Paul's already won, but you know, uh, this is for Pride, Joe. Last clue. That owl one is taking the millennials to court. Ooh. This one works better than any of the previous two. <laughs> well, they didn't at all, so. <laughs> so this one works somewhat, is what you're saying. Low, low, low bar, right. but still. Uh, the Owen's taken the millennials to court. That's it. Is it Sue Sue Young? What's the one? It is Sue Young. Wow, well done. No initials or anything really? for that one. Why well, this has to be an owl? Oh, because Young. But then you said millennials anyway. So yeah. it doesn't actually matter yeah. that she she's from Impact. She was the uh, women's champion about two weeks she, ago. Yeah, you can't make them up. Yeah, got to be real wrestlers. <laughs> but that one could have been I'm taking the millennials to court. It didn't have to be an owl one. Uh yeah, but also by saying owl one, I think it like sort of implied woman as well, so you know a little bit of hint uh, there. Yeah, I may, I mean I got it, so maybe. Yeah. Hey, listen, you're winning, so I don't know what your your beef is. No, I've no beef. That's right, because you win. Well Wait, watch. I will say, <laughs> I'm not having a go, Barry. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, I think we've had better Dwayne Johnson Busters editions than that one. <laughs> we, we've, we've possibly had better 20 minutes of audio. <laughs> that might have been, might have been the worst quiz we've ever done. Yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, letting the listeners behind the curtain there, but I was doing that while I was while I was also talking about pre-ordering a PlayStation. <laughs> I mean, Sue Young works. Uh, month yeah. before, uh, lad is nothing, <laughs> and tax hardwood. Yeah, that's kind of somewhere in the middle, I think. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's we've got a, we've got a, what is always a better feature and a more enjoyable feature. We have our CSP has issues. Yes. Grab the. Uh, I, I always enjoy right. this. This is, this is um, my one thing that do. I usually will not do, but I have done is uh, I'll I'll do the power slam literally after the previous power slam we did. So this is issue ninety three from April two thousand and two. Um, on the cover, you have the sprightly, young, up-and-coming uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, the the headline is Hogan, Cancer or Savior? Oh. 
So you remember the wow. NWO storyline at the time that Vince Man was going to introduce a cancer. That's what that's in reference to. Uh, you also have a, a feature on Stephanie McMahon, pencil performer. Is there no end to her talents? Well, um, you have the Revolution full coverage of the WWA's pay per view. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, crikey! The most shocking incidents in WWF history, and you can be sure we're going to be talking about that one. And FMW, William Regal, and XPW Free Fall. Oh, oh that's fucking, that's the Vic Grimes. Um, Literally the thing, one isn't it? from the New Jack documentary. Yeah. What a shit time in wrestling. You've got the end, the, the shitty WWF NWO run, WWA, and XPW. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, yeah, we'll dive, dive into in. uh, what was on TV at the time. Um, this is one of my favorite little bits that I, I've uh, I've read since reviewing these power slams, and it's very typical of uh, the world at the time, right? So the APA, this is from the February 25th Raw. The APA received an anonymous invite to a function at the Friendly Tap Tavern. So you'll remember that that is the, uh, the bar owned by Tim White, former referee, right? The APA entered the Friendly Tap later on in the show, only to discover it was men's night. The bar was filled with independent wrestlers playing transvestites and homosexuals. <laughs> Billy and Chuck then sprinted into the bar and assaulted the APA. Bradshaw took a killer bump into a pinball machine. Ooh, that sounds painful. Yeah. Um, I like that they they had to make it jokey that it was like men's night, but still he took a, a, a huge bump to make it like serious. Yeah. Um, you then had... Uh, on the same show, finally, during an NWO attack on Steve Austin, Scott Hall smashed a fake breeze block over Stone Cold's right knee. Yeah, From the March 4th Raw, Austin went to a non-finish with Booker T. When the NWO hit the ring and blasted Steve Austin, he bled heavily. I must point out, though, that there was a major continuity error here. Stone Cold had his left knee heavily bandaged when it was his right knee that Hall had nailed one week earlier. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember the botchamania bit about that. Uh, it then goes into a bit of detail about the upcoming uh, split, which, of course, would end up being like the, the first WWE draft. This was still kind of a, mm. a rumored uh, up-and-coming thing at the time. Uh, in storyline, Vince McMahon called an emergency meeting of the WWF board of directors, during which he claimed that Ric Flair was unfit to lead the company. The board agreed with Vince Maybe. and gave him control of the organization. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, this also was the episode of Raw when in the Wrestlemania main event build uh, Lucy the dog took a dump on Stephanie's dressing room floor Stephanie made her other plaything Chris Jericho take the mutt for a walk when he tired of exercising Lucy Y2J tied her to a limousine the car then ran over the dog but somehow only broke his leg Triple H who unlike Stephanie loves the dog was livid when he found out that's how you sell pay-per-views. Oh my God. I, I forgot Triple H likes the dog. Who I forgot cares? That he liked the dog. Anyway. Uh, also, one thing that I either forgot about or was not aware of was that Hulk Hogan suffered a broken rib in early March in the lead-up to uh, WrestleMania 18. Mm. Um, what else do we have here? 
yeah, as we as we mentioned, on the subject of the split, it should be underway as you read this. So that obviously, uh, this going on sale April twenty fifth. Uh, I think yeah, it initially did happen there or thereabouts, didn't it? Uh, also, something that would pay off many years later, Bret Hart turned down an invitation from the WWF to make an appearance at WrestleMania eighteen. Mm. Because that, of course, was in Canada, wasn't it? It was in Toronto. Uh, Acting as an intermediary between Vince McMahon and Hart, WWF Canada President Carol DeMarco proposed two scenarios to the former WWF and WCW world champion. Firstly, the hitman could work as a special guest referee in the match between undisputed world champion Chris Jericho and Triple H. Why would he bother? Uh, Failing that, he could participate in an angle in which he would deck Vince with a worked punch. (laughs) Uh, sorry, just on the subject of being the referee, I can't think of anything Bret Hart would want to do less than referee that shite feud with a wrestler he already he's, he's made a career out of saying he thinks is shit and overrated <laughs> as he's coronated as the new god. Um, to follow up on what we were talking about uh, last week, Donovan Morgan defeated AJ Styles to win the ECWA's uh, Super 8 tournament in Wilmington, Delaware. Wow. Um, yeah, the tourney featured some fine matches, including JB Noble versus Matt Stryker, Xavier versus Styles, and the final between Morgan and Styles. Uh, we'll move on then to our. Uh, the most extreme moments in WWF or in wrestling. Uh, let me find it here quickly. Do, 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 do. Here we go. The most outrageous moments in WWF history. Good God Almighty. Uh, so it features some moments, some which I, I don't think are that controversial, but we'll get to them. The The earliest example is uh, Piper Smokes Snuka, 1984. Of course, Roddy, classic. Uh, Smashed a coconut over the head of Jimmy Snooker. Uh, fans looked on in horror as an enraged Piper pounded at humiliated Snooker, then one of the industry's most beloved baby faces. Uh, as the Superfly pulled a major juice job, the rowdy Scott let him have it with his belt. So there you go. Uh, Piper seemed to lose it during the angle. He later told Power Slam forerunner Superstars of Wrestling, when I blasted him over the head with the coconut, I nearly killed him. I held nothing back. When I was whipping him and the set came down, I was out of control. Uh, then we have 1987. Use a fake one next time, honky. Um, not a racial slur. It was <laughs> uh, referring to an angle uh, which took place on the snake pit, Jake Roberts' version of Piper's mm. pit. Uh, during the episode of the show, Heel Jake was stuck, struck from behind with a brain-rattling guitar shot from, by the Honky Tonk Man. Sorry, I'm laughing because what's coming up is, is quite funny, right? Um, Roberts reacted to the blow like it really hurt because it did. For some reason, <laughs> the Elvis impersonator, <laughs> for some reason, he had used a non-gimmicked guitar. Uh, acoustic guitar in the angle, and as a result, bashed the snake halfway into oblivion. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't think I've yeah. ever heard of this. The assault turned Robert's baby face and set him up for a very successful run in the company. The only drawback was he was physically never the same again. Okay, now. Like, again, why why use an ungimmicked guitar? Like, 
you know, at the time, obviously there was the dirt sheets and so on, but the internet wasn't as prevalent. So it's not like there was a the hard, the hardcore minority who, God damn, he used a real guitar. He just fucking knocked them loopy. Like, um, nineteen eighty seven, good friends, better enemies. The uh, the Hogan Andre split leading to the match at uh, WrestleMania three. Nineteen ninety, Hulkamania is dead. This is the attack perpetrated by John Tenta Earthquake on Hulk Hogan on the Brother Love Show shortly uh, after WrestleMania six. Uh, following, uh, sorry, flooring Hogan from behind, Quake then cracked Hogan's sternum with the force of his mighty earthquake splash. Mm. Uh, all involved in an excellent job selling the gravity of this dastardly deed. Hogan was supposedly hospitalized, and fans were told he was considering retirement. And then the best part of this, uh, which maybe was up, should have been up for a uh, most disgusting tactic, uh, marketing tactic in the Observer Awards, uh, which was that after uh, Fred Tugboat Ottman went on TV and pleaded with Matt Devotees to write letters of support to the Hulkster, and those poor kids who did write in are still receiving WWF merchandise catalogs to this day. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) Uh, You have 1990-91 cashing in on the Gulf Crisis with Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, 1991, The Bite of the Century, which we'll, we'll go into a little bit because it's very notable. Um, after pounding Savage in the ring, Roberts tied the Macho Man in the ropes and pressed Cobra's fangs into Savage's flesh. Graphic close-ups yeah. of the snake chomping down on the Macho Man's arm and drawing blood were interspersed with footage of hysterical women and children in the crowd, making the whole episode even more disturbing. Uh, the Cobra's venom glands had been removed, but the angle was still dangerous. And then the bit that everybody doesn't remember, uh, the Savage and Roberts resulting six-minute match at Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view was a disappointment. But this never-to-be-repeated angle made for some of the most gripping, unsettling wrestling programming ever. Uh, You have 1996, Pillman shoots on Austin. Of course, yeah. Um, When Austin arrived at the house, he beat up a couple of Pillman's buddies outside, smashed the back door window and entered the building. Pillman's wife, Melanie, shrieked as the loon stormed into the living room, but Pillman was waiting, aiming a gun at Stone Cold's head. The loose cannon cannon screamed obscenities, including the F-word, before picture transmission was mysteriously lost. Uh, Eventually, it was explained that the bullet had missed and Austin had been scared off. Like other stunts involving the loose cannon, it was a memorable escapade that unfortunately went absolutely nowhere. Uh, 1998, somebody stopped the damn match. Uh, I don't think we need to discuss that one any further. You've probably, no, you've probably uh, heard enough about that one for a lifetime. Um, we have uh, slobber knockers. This is a particularly important one for the UK. Uh, given what we discussed last week. Slobber knockers, a veritable fountain of tastelessness. Game for anything pensioner Mae Young was at her puke-provoking worst when she gatecrashed the Miss Royal Rumble contest in January 2000 and stripped to the waist. After receiving numerous complaints, the Fed explained that Young hadn't really exposed her top half. She was wearing prosthetic knockers over her real ones. But that did nothing to placate horrified bigwigs at Channel 4. They decided right then just weeks into their contract with WWF, that they would drop wrestling as soon as the deal expired in December 2001. It's a bit rich for Channel 4 on it and some of the stuff they put on. They have naked attraction. 
It's just it's just five yeah. fannies in a row. <laughs> and even back then, they, even back then they isn't that also their uh, news lineup? Isn't it five fannies in a row? <laughs> oh, political got him. Um, they have a rundown of other shockers. Um, Trish Stratus' impression of a canine for the amusement of Mr. McMahon last March embarrassed most who witnessed it. That wasn't many in the UK since Sky Sports 1 refused to air it. Um, People's Champ, The Rock's heel turn at Survivor Series 1998, which kicked off his five-month association with McMahon's, was handled beautifully. Triple H's drug-induced marriage to Stephanie, an alleged but unseen consummation, trivialized date rape in some viewers' eyes. Mm. Um, when Kevin Diesel Nash sent Bret Hart flying off the ring apron onto and through the commentators table at Survivor Series 95 it started the pay-per-view high spot tradition um, and then outlaw Ron Bass used his spurs to slice open Brutus Beefcake's forehead prior to SummerSlam 88 though Beefcake did a typically lame job of selling the attack the presence of blood on his turnip and a large X on the screen ensured that the angle did make an impression. It also then has a little uh, segment called Cock Ups and Letdowns. The incidents that were supposed to be shocking, but actually weren't. Hmm. Uh, Steve Austin's crucifixion at the hands of the satanic, silly bearded Undertaker in December 98 was lame, but not as pathetic as Vince Russo's subsequent claims that the cross they used in the angle was a symbol. Uh, oh, revelation yes. that Vince was the greater power in that Ministry of Bollocks storyline in 1999 must have been <laughs> Did they really say yes, that? must have been devised by a cretin <laughs> wow um, Val Venus below and has a picture of the, the, the Valboski Val Venus near castration by Ninja Squad Kayentai was actually rather comical um, LOD Hawks on-screen drug problems and suicide attempt on Raw in November 98 was met with extreme indifference. What's funny is that, like, 20 years later, these are all still the same things we rehash in documentaries and articles yeah. now. Um, Go on. Austin's crack at killing Triple H by raising him to a height of 30 feet in his car and then dropping the vehicle on its roof with a forklift truck at the 2000 Summers, excuse me, Survivor Series was simply not believable. That the game returned to TV eight days later with not a scratch on him seemed to be someone's idea of a joke. Mm. Um, and then the biggest one of all time. Any guesses? Uh, Montreal. It's not Montreal, but good guess. Uh, uh, this ar- this article seems a bit glib for it to be on our time no, no, no. ring. <laughs> uh, after marketing the 1990 Survivor Series, and uh, appropriate we're talking about it today, uh, on, the sp- on the suspense of what lay inside a giant egg, fans were mighty pissed when Hector Guerrero left out dressed as a turkey. Oh, yeah. Um, so there we go. There's there's some, as, as I mentioned, there's uh, some other articles in here, but... Uh, Quite a few in, in this issue. I don't think it's necessarily something that happens a lot, but in this issue, quite a lot of the articles are, are kind of biography-like, uh, which is a little bit... Uh, we have the Q&A, which I'll just quickly touch on here. Um, funny thing about Power Slam, especially in, in the uh, the late 90s and early 2000s, they have the Q&A section, and then they also have the, the this and that section, which was kind of a... 
an early kind of Craigslist type deal where people would be looking for tapes and so on, right? Mm. But it often gets treated as a kind of lonely hearts column. <laughs> and so it's like, Fred oh, no. of Bristol is looking for girls aged 18 oh, to 24 yeah. who like Shawn Michaels. Or oh, no. Oh, <laughs> so write to him with this P.O. box or whatever. Oh, awful. Um, we have here uh, Witch Doctor who writes into Q&A via email. And I can't believe that anyone would write this to another human. <laughs> Dear Power Slam, during her mm, sunny days, did Tamara Stitch ever Uh-oh. bear all for a website or top shelf magazine? <laughs> oh my God. I am asking this simply uh, as a matter of historical <laughs> record. <laughs> oh my God. Witch doctor, you poor lonely man. Um, so there you go. And, and this edition of uh, power slam, I did not tear out the middle uh, centerfold if you want to call it that, mm. which features this month, The Rock uh, at a press conference. So okay. there you go. That's our, uh, that's our power slam for this week. I'll try and switch it up next week. I'll pick one from a different time period. Oh, that's a, that's, that was an interesting one, though. Um, yeah, so that is CSB has got issues for another week. We can trip into a fairly light uh, week of wrestling um, uh, happenings this week. Did we all watch Dynamite as usual? Uh, what do we make of the Young Bucks versus Top Flight? I thought it was a, a fun little match for what it was. Yeah, that was really good. Great video package to uh, introduce them as well. Oh, yeah, I think I like that more than the match. Dynamite just gets yeah. that stuff so right. Great, great, great job. Yeah, I was very... Uh... Very pleased with um, Top Flight. As I, I had some, I don't know, Barry, if you had a similar feeling to me, but I had a fear going in that they would be, and this is a, a, a name from the past, that they'd be like a, a two unlimited kind of deal where while they would do, you know, impressive feats of aerial ability. Uh, that they they would just come off extremely dangerous, <laughs> like they're going to hurt themselves or hurt somebody. Well, that's not an uh, an unfair guess because I don't know if you even remember this, but these two have had a match in OTT. Top flight. Um, the yeah, uh, because I can't I can't remember which one is which, but one of them is the former Airwolf. Okay. Uh, well, maybe you might not have been at this show. It was the I think it was the last show, the February show. I don't think I was at the last show because I've never, I've okay, never seen these guys. So I, I don't know. Okay, yeah, uh, it was the they were in a six man with more than hype, um, Airwolf, and I can't remember what the other one's name was when he was under a mask. Um, and the funny thing is, they are very entertaining. They're great high flyers. I've I've, I've seen Airwolf a lot on MLW, and he's really good. Uh, d- didn't have a great night at the office in OTT, unfortunately. It, it, the match sort of fell apart a little bit, and it was just kind of okay when it was all said and done. So, so I think that's actually fairly justified skepticism. They're they're talented, but they are definitely young uh, and green. Uh, uh, but luckily, they're in there with you know a phenomenal team uh, in the Young Bucks. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed that, um, and yeah, the video was just just great, just basic great stuff that made them seem like hardworking, hardworking young chaps looking for a break. Yeah, I'd like to see more of them. Uh, let me see here. Uh, then we had uh, a match. 
that 411 Mania is telling me was under 11 minutes long, but it felt like about 50. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Kip Sabian um, having just a super boring match, I thought, with Miro being super <laughs> boring on commentary. Um, I'm really over the Miro thing. Uh, he's he's He is a face in the crowd already. Yeah, I don't uh, think they made the show. best creative decisions with using it. That he would be a, a, yeah. a man who is aligned with Kip Sabian, the worst act in the company, and would play video games. That's not a compelling yeah. on-screen wrestling character, even if that's what he is really into. I don't know. It, it's not It's not that appealing. And Orange Cassidy, without sounding too jaded, like the, the, the petals off the rose on that one, I think. Or whatever the actual mm. phrase is that I couldn't think of. The bloom, the bloom is off the, yeah. the, bloom is off the, uh, the lettuce on him. Um, yeah, I, I, I think after the Jericho feud, I still would have appreciated him being more back in the role of the of a of a the third man for the best friends who has the occasional pay per view yeah. match. Uh, I, I think him being a weekly feature is not helping him. No. You you also skipped over thanks for one mania the first of the inner circle Las Vegas videos. Oh yeah, and the Moxley um, promo. But yeah, the the Moxley promo was as good as it always Renee is. Young so, is having uh, a baby. He, he, he casually broke the news that he's going to become a father, which was uh, which is lovely. They're they're yeah, a cute. He, couple. It was a very Brock Lesnar um, get on top of my wife <laughs> moment that was just thrown in there. <laughs> I'm going to beat your ass and have sex with my wife that one time. Maybe a baby coming out. It was a good promo, though. Uh, what What did you guys make of the Vegas stuff? It was fun. I thought it. it yeah, I thought it was amusing, but not really funny. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was funny, but it after the second one, which we'll get to later on, I guess. I was like, all right, I wonder how they're going to wrap this up in the third part. And then there wasn't one. Yeah. It, like, it, it didn't have a conclusion or anything. Didn't go anywhere. Jericho was just on commentary suddenly. He was like, yeah, we had a great time. I was like, well, what was the point of any of that? Mm. I liked when Conan yeah. showed Yeah. I, I, uh, that was, that fun. was funny. But yeah, other than that. Uh, you still need something to hang on. I think they really, with these kind of skits, this is where you really need like a writing team. But like obviously good writers, not shit ones, but this kind of thing it really needs uh it's not the sort of thing that's gonna rely on improvisation. Uh it needs a bit more bit more thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're obviously doing that a hangover joke deal. But even that didn't like pay off with someone being missing or like it was yeah, just I thought Mike Tyson was gonna show up <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Would have actually been funny. Which would have made sense. It was okay, but you know, pointless ultimately. I don't really get what the point of it was. Unless you know, unless the point of it was, okay, the inner circle like MJF now. But even you had like Sammy writing on his face. Yeah. Like so I don't know, there was like no point of doing it. Yeah. Unless they just really wanted to go to Las Vegas to like hang out or something. I don't know. Jericho looked funny drunk. He was even redder faced than normal and his hair was all Wacky, yeah, he's, he's a very authentic drunk, drunk alcoholic. 
Uh, I think he's. Uh, I think method acting there, Joe. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. But... Uh, we had the contract signing then between Moxley and Omega, which oh, they subverted our expectations and didn't even do it. Oh, who would have thought? Yeah. What a weird segment this was. I, I, I'm still kind of split on it. Where mm. I appreciate the different take on what is a really like done to death kind of segment but i also feel like it didn't make me more excited for the match no do you know what i mean no, yeah i, I don't they've got to find something else to do other than contract signings because it's just or find a new way of doing it i don't know yeah, well i really liked when they did with the cody they had like the press conference yeah thing, and they did yeah. like the weigh-ins like that stuff was all great and they haven't done it since then yeah something like that i think that would um that would give it a sort of a more realistic feel as well, because what's the point in them coming out to the ring and signing the contract? It doesn't really make make a lot of sense. No. Um, I wonder if they would do something next week, like like a weigh-in or something, because I think this is like the biggest world title match they've done maybe all year. Yeah, certainly, certainly when Moxie's been feuding with like Brian Cage and Brody Lee and Lance Archer all year do you know what i mean yeah. this oh, is like the and okay ed kingston fair enough has done a very good job but this is the first almost the first one of the year that feels like mm. a pay-per-view main event in a sense <laughs> do you know what i mean and it's not it's not happening on a pay-per-view ironically yeah i think they're going but this feels like the match that you should sorry to cut across you but this feels like the match that you should take more than two weeks to build and do the press conferences and do the weigh-ins and do those um segments that you don't need to overuse but that you should use when it's a big main event like this yeah i think we've got another another week to go so we'll see how the the build goes for that but i think that that's going to be a huge show they said that may even be the the show that gets shack in um right. or something like that uh so just to let the listeners know uh barry has died he is dead um so we will continue on without him um we yeah so as we said after that second inner circle video jericho was just on commentary suddenly there was no they were so drunk he couldn't get back or mm-hmm. he's just there and he announced that himself and jake hager will have a match next week that was very anticlimactic um hornswoggle was in the video as well dressed as a baby yeah what was that about uh, he's small I guess I don't know I didn't get that no uh, you had Pack versus The Blade um, from the eponymous tag team um, Pack looked a little sloppy Joe I, 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 you know, admittedly in his first match in 8 months or whatever it is 8-9 months um, okay. there were little, little uh, timing issues in this one you know, I'm not. You know, Pack is one of the best wrestlers out there, so I'm not having a go. But it was a little bit, a little bit. Um, Pack won with the brutalizer, and then they did an angle, which confirmed the 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 reunification of the Triangle de los Muertes, uh, Death Triangle, who are who are back. Even though last week they seemed like they were hinting at a, a Lucha Bros split. Um, I guess that was just to lead to the 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 
the tension here. Which side is he on? Which side is Penta on? Yeah, I think it was that going through that made them realize what Eddie Kingston had done to them. Yeah. Could they, though, have dragged this out for a little bit longer? Do you know what I mean? Uh, possibly. They could have made it into a little storyline. Like, is Penta with Kingston's group, or is, is he with Pac and Phoenix? And they could have done a little, like, oh, he's not sure. They could have stretched it out at least three or four weeks before. Like, Pac only returned last week, and it's already, like, done, basically. Um... What do we have then? Uh, we had Jade Cargill backstage beating up Brandy mm. Rhodes. Um, I was surprised we didn't get more Jade Cargill this week after the big angle with Cody last week. But yeah, look. Uh, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa had a quite good match. Do you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Um, yeah, I almost half expected Thunder Rosa to win the title back, but she didn't. Mm. Um, what was weird was there was a a, a run in by Bit Breaker during the match, which obviously is leading to a you know a little a little feud ski uh, between herself and Thunder Rosa. But there was like there was like a good five minutes, it might be less than five minutes, but there's a good, a good amount of time between the interference and then the actual finish of the match. Mm. So it didn't it didn't feel like Britt Baker was really responsible for for costing her the match or anything like that. Um, mm, no, I think Thunder Rosa, she's such a star. Like, I think... I agree. Point, yeah, she'll either get the NWA title back, possibly even the the old AEW title as well. Yeah. will get a unification belt. And then I felt as well, similar to the Death Triangle thing, I wouldn't have had Thunder Rosa get her hands on Britt Baker immediately after the match. Uh, you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a strange... Slightly strange. Make the fans want it. You got to tickle the balls a little bit. <laughs> to use a, a phrase from one of my favorite YouTube videos. You got to tickle the balls. Um, there was no tickling the balls. They, 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 Thunder Rose didn't like beat her up or anything, but no. I would have had, uh, sometimes you have to have the baby face, you know, down and out at the end of the segment so that they can later get their payback. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, we had then the main event, Team Taz. Uh, against Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen. I like that they made Team Taz look strong here. Yeah. That they won clean. I like that because I think sometimes subliminally, AEW too often has the baby faces come out on top. And even when they do, like in the last match, that there's there'll be a big brawl at the end and the baby faces stand tall. You know, I like that Team Taz beat them up real bad, won the match, and then after the match beat them up even more. <laughs> like that's that's perfect. Um, the Will Hobbs turn seemed to come a little bit out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know. I think they they've been maybe subtly building to it. With, maybe, um, yeah, with his kind of late appearances uh, in previous weeks. Um, yeah, I quite liked it. I think it's yeah. it's, it's a good little threesome. Um, I do like him in the team. Mm. Um, they already have kind of a big hoss with with Cage, but. We'll see where it goes. I, I'm definitely horse. in favor of it. Cage is big horse. He's middle horse. Stocks is little, little yeah. horse. I mean, I wouldn't say that Will Hobbs isn't big horse as well. well but <laughs> he's, he's Cage. He's a, he's a, he's yeah. definitely in the horse, you know, region. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like that he came down with the chair. 
um, turned around, but picked up the belt. And that was actually one of the rare instances where someone picks up the belt for the belt shot. And Hobbs did, did a great job not making it immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times when, when someone is doing that, they pick the belt up, but they'll be given the side glances to the person they're going to hit. And you go, oh, this lad's going to hit him with the belt. Like, no, what's coming here? Mm-hmm. Hobbs did a good job of not making it look like he was going to do the turn. You know, he wasn't telegraphing it like some people do. Um, yeah, and, and I'd be interested to see what, what way they go with, like, explaining the angle with, you know, obviously the, the the spotlight has been on Cody and Darby lately. Maybe Hobbs can say, you know, I was with you, I came part of your team, and then you guys turn your back on me. Something like that. But, um, yeah, storytelling is typically strong on Dynamite, so I expect that to be good. Yeah. Um... And then tonight we say goodbye to a legend of the sport uh, as The Undertaker goes away until he's needed by Vince Until the next Saudi show. (laughs) (laughs) When he comes back and wrestles, I don't know, let's say Edge. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm a big Undertaker guy. I like Undertaker. Oh, I mean, especially yeah. Well, I mean, even the WrestleMania match this year was good. To be fair, the AJ match was great. Oh, the Bone Yeah, I, I think <laughs> when you said the Undertaker match this year, I my immediate thought was, who the fuck did he have a match with this year? I have no memory of it. The Bone, but it's a Bone Yard match. The Bone Yard match. Yeah, that is still in the running for me for match of the year. Hmm. I really enjoyed it. That was my favorite WrestleMania match yeah. by distance. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to think of many things that I enjoyed more than the Boneyard match. There's some up there, you know, some of the AEW uh, stuff has been really good. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not counting my chickens before I see Moxley Omega again. So, but Boneyard is up there. Um, yeah, I really, unlike Power Slam, um, I was really into the Ministry of Darkness storyline. Mm. Um, and although it might undermine any future opinion I might have, I liked Vince McMahon as the higher power. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, while it wasn't necessarily logical or anything, I I, I liked it. And that, that segment is one of my all-time favorite wrestling segments where... Uh, oh son of a bitch and then stephanie and linda come out Mm. and linda says and one of my all-time favorite understated vince lines because you know vince has the life sucks and then you die and all all the vincisms but i love when um linda comes out and says that there was an emergency meeting of the board of directors held and vince goes i wasn't notified (laughs) I love that he would, he, he would be notified about reading about himself. And Linda, in her perfect Linda McMahon deadpan, not really deadpan because it's just that she has no charisma. <laughs> She's not doing it intentionally. Yeah. But she just goes, oh, you weren't invited. That's very unfortunate. And I, lo- oh, I love that segment. How could you do this to me, says Stephanie? Oh, it was just business. And then Linda says, well, let's talk business. And, oh, and then Steve Austin's the CEO and he comes out in his little tie. And, oh, mate, it was great stuff. That segment is great TV. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I was big into Undertaker in those years. I never liked the American badass Undertaker because I, I liked, uh, when I started watching wrestling in, in like late 96, leading up to 98, 99, I liked Undertaker because he was, to me as a young kid who didn't like horror, didn't like gore, etc. Undertaker was that kind of macabre um, character that I could, you know, I could, I could take, but he still seemed like, I'm sure in a very like teenager way, but still seemed very like edgy and very different to all the other characters that were kind of around. Mm. Uh, so I, I liked the, 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 the satanic undertaker specifically in that like late 98, early 99 undertaker. Uh, and I never liked a uh, American flag waving motorbike riding undertaker. Um, albeit he had some good matches, but I was never a fan of that. And then when he came back in 2004, I was very disappointed at that because mm. I felt very much like I was expecting the full, not necessarily the satanic Undertaker, but like your 98, mid 98 Undertaker, where he, you know, Hell in a Cell Undertaker, where he's he's dressed in the, the, the proper old Undertaker garb. He's not necessarily a satanic spooky, spooky looking, but he doesn't do all the bollocks. Spooky looking man. And it, it was kind of a half step where he still wore the old Undertaker wrestling singlet top. And the the tights, that he, he, except he wore his old Western hat. That was like it. Like, <laughs> yeah. so I, I was disappointed with that. But then, Undertaker is one of the few wrestlers who really was a late bloomer in the sense that his peak was like well into his forties, almost. Like yeah. from WrestleMania twenty three up until maybe WrestleMania 29. So let's say that, that six-year period, I don't know what years they were, because I can't associate years with WrestleManias anymore. Well, so 23 would have been, what, 2007, yeah. right? So let's say 2007 up until 2012. That was like the best period of his career, which he had started in WWE 17 years prior, you know? Um, yeah, so I I have lots of lots of favorite little Undertaker memories. Um, specifically, aside from the ones that everyone knows, specifically the Kurt Angle match at No Way Out 2006, mm-hmm. I loved. Uh, the last 10 minutes of Royal Rumble 2007 with him and Sean, mm-hmm. which was almost like a mini Undertaker Sean match, which would you know eventually be paid off with those two WrestleMania matches. Um, thoroughly loved those. Um, I watched his documentary uh, earlier this year, which was fun. Um, if not super revelatory and now he's gonna say goodbye and get on his little bike and drive off into the sunset while the latest metallica album track plays <laughs> um so how do you feel joe about the career of of the old undertaker um it kind of staggered on for many years too long <laughs> in hindsight i think i'm trying to think there's been anything good since he lost to Lesnar. Uh, well, he and Lesnar had a very good Hell in a Cell match. At yeah, that was SummerSlam the following year or something. That kind of felt to me like, here's the match we should have given yeah. you at WrestleMania, but I got my, own, my head all fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but apart from that, that... That and the AJ match, but apart from that, it's been nothing, really. It's been um, slim pickings. Yeah, so... Um, I'm kind of fed up with him. I'll happily. <laughs> but you said before we started recording, you said it was a good riddance. 
It is. He's going to retire. He should go and enjoy his retirement. Yeah. And stop. Get it over. Stop annoying us with his constant presence. Maybe that's one that I can pick out of the power slam piles for next week. Maybe one of the uh, the the Sean matches mm. or something like that. But anyway. um, yeah. I would like it for his goodbye for him to be put into a casket and set on fire. Oh, I think that'd be fairly uh, appropriate. Or, or oh. given that he was originally earmarked to be the egg man in the gobbledygook egg what if he goes yes. and gets into an egg and actually the egg closes up with him in it that, and then they set it on fire yeah and then they set it on fire I think that would be a fitting finish to the uh, Undertaker's career 30 years yeah well folks I think it's time for Joe and myself to get into our eggs oh um, I want to get me little egg and set ourselves on fire because that's the end of another podcast. Um, another CSP. So uh, we'll do our little pluggies, our little pluggy pluggies. Um, if you want to go to chairshotpodcast.com, which is unfortunately a URL that I have paid money for and I can't change. Um, and anyway, we wouldn't rebrand the podcast. We've done it long enough. It's, is what it is. Go to chairshotpodcast.com. You can send us an email from there, should for some reason you want to do. All you have to do is go to the website, which I've said already, chairshotpodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, uh, and there's a big email us uh, button there that you can press on, and that'll open a form. Just fill it out, and that'll email us. And you can even pick which host you want to email specifically. Mm. Um. Uh, you can also download our entire episode back archive from there. Uh, that's chairshotpodcast.com slash all, I think. Um, we also have some old blogs up on there, chairshotpodcast.com slash blog. Uh, what else? That's about it on the website. <laughs> I, I still have the link up there, by the way, to the store, right? Chairshotpodcast.com store, <laughs> which you can buy. We only have one item on the store. Which is uh, Joe's uh, PPV cards against humanity. Oh yeah, um, and you can buy a magnet with uh, with that artwork on it. It's six euro. So that's not too bad. I think you can buy other other various little bits and bobs with that. I did once have the Prawn Michaels design up there, but WWE had it pulled. And uh, I think Scott McAvoy bought some notepads with that on it, which I. Uh, I never bought myself. So he, Scott McAvoy is the, has some very one in in one limited edition notepads there with a Photoshop that I did once. Um, to add some more stuff to that. Yeah, we have enough little You've artworks that we can five hundred artworks. Yeah, must be some uh, copyright free. You can use the episode four hundred eighty eight one, and it's just m- me, my head on a very muscular body. You can maybe. <laughs> put that on a pillow or something mm. um you can follow us all on twitter go to twitter.com slash chairshot pod that's our main one if you want to get a little notification when the new episodes come out turn the notifications mm-hmm. on and then when joe posts about it then you'll know go to your podcasting and upload it or refresh it i upload it um i'm a chairshot twitter <laughs> what 
<laughs> I'm getting delirious though we've gone so long. I am at Twitter.com at Paul Griffin CSP. Although I you'll I will never use those fleets. Don't ever well, expect a fleet from me. Stupid if you nonsense. Do a fleet, you're banned. If you do a fleet, I'm unfollowing you. Because that's stupid. Tweets by their nature. Uh, are Christ, I've just seen a tweet pop up, right? Sorry, right. sorry to elongate this episode even further, but um so not that Tom at that not that Tom Green says the Undertaker farewell should end with him crawling into a giant gobbledygook egg and having it close around him. Oh no, they stole your idea, you, Tom. You stole my idea four hours ago. How dare you, son of a bitch? Joe is at Griff Tannen on Twitter. Yeah. Do you do fleets? No, no fleets. No fucking. Fleets. Never do a fleet. The point of Twitter is that someone goes, "Oh, I had something for my dinner," and then did it, had diarrhea. And they tweet it out, and it's like it's gone from your feed in like a minute yeah, anyway. I'm not going back and reading ones from you know. No, what kind of loser would bookmark like old tweets and bring them up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who would do that? Um, and then Barry, speaking of, is that the Barry lad on the Twitter? That's going to be great, by the way, when that comes up in Scott McAvoy's quote quiz because Barry's not here; mm. he'll have no idea who said it. Um, uh, do we have any other plugs? Is that it? Church podcast? Yeah. yeah, I think we're on Stitcher as well. Stitcher and we're on Spotify and we're on the iTunes thing. And yeah, all we're on you're listening to it already. You've figured it out. Like, um, so that's all we have for you this week. So listen to next week's one. I think what's this? This is four nine seven. Four nine seven. So next week, 498, 499, 500 will be the week of the ter- thir- 13th, if I want to sound very Irish, the week of the 13th of December. So I'm thinking, thinking aloud here, <laughs> would, would, would we maybe finish for the year at 500 and start 501 in the new year? Is that a good idea? Um yeah, I was thinking, I mean, we should probably discuss this off air, but fuck it. If anyone, <laughs> no, if anyone's still that. listening to this point, they can hear the inside. I was thinking maybe we take a week off between now and Christmas, and then 500 can be... Uh, the Christmas? Yeah, or... the 20th of December. That can be the Christmas right. episode and the 500 episode. So maybe we'll have a little old week off at some point. Um, okay. But then, yeah, 500 will be before Christmas. And then when we come back for 501, that will be the very exciting awards episode for 2021. Yes. So. Very nice. Okay. Well, I mean, we won't talk about it with Barry because, you know, he's not here half the time uh, due to technical issues. But, yeah, I think that'll work. I think we can take a week off when mm. nothing's happening. Obviously, we won't be able to take the Omega week off. We'll talk mm. about that. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll discuss it. That's not for listeners. Listeners, don't listen to this part. You're excused. <laughs> Class dismissed. Go home. Turn it off. Listen to uh, listen to some other podcasts. Listen to the best podcast in the world. And I'll, I'll give a little Easter egg for our listeners here. Maybe if I don't remember what of the year categories we actually do, but if there's like a show of the year or something like that. Uh, figure wrestling federation is absolutely going to be <laughs> because I adore my weekly uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins e fed. If you're not listening, if you're not listening to it, what are you doing? Go listen Big to it. It's the best. 
It's the best. I don't listen to their figure podcast. I have no interest in them talking about anything apart from... And then Scott Steiner comes out! Oh, it's the best. I love it. Anyway, we've rambled on long enough. Go home. Go to bed. Undertaker, if he's died by now or whatever. Great. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. (laughs) 